Welcome to the First Assembly of God podcast, a ministry of First Assembly of God in Greencastle, Pennsylvania, where we are passionately pursuing His will, His way. You can find out more about us on our website, greencastle-firstassembly.org. Now, let's dive into today's podcast. All right, if you are ready, if you're awake, we're going to dive into God's Word today, and uh, we're going to kind of introduce a new series we're in today and simply call a spirit-empowered church a spirit-empowered church the goal for this series is is eventually to kind of go through the book of acts look at the book of acts study through the book of acts today we'll only hit on a few key areas and today will be more of an introduction but i want you to just to hear my heart for a moment as we as we dive into this series and each time we preach each time we proclaim God's word. You know, as your pastor, I'm just always praying, okay, God, what, where are we at as a church? You know, where, where is the church heading in the future? You know, not just our church, but, the, you know, kind of corporately. And, uh, and I just sense today that we desperately need, our world desperately needs a spirit-empowered church. Amen. We don't need to play church. We don't need just to go through the motions of church. We need a spirit-empowered church. Amen? And uh, this world is hungry, is desperate for a spirit-empowered church. Amen? And speaking of uh, fire and warmth, is anyone cold today? Does it feel a little ch- John, can you check those? I know I'm usually hot and hot and blazing up here and today I feel a little chilly so we'll check the thermostats there it is unusually cold now and so we do need to adjust those schedules sometimes but the Lord wants to raise up a spirit empowered church in these last days we don't have time for religious games or spiritual platitudes there is a real world that is rapidly declining and decaying all around us you turn on the news and, you know, you hear about, oh, well, there might be a conflict with Russia or there might be this or that and, and all kinds of things all over the news. And, and our life, as we know, could change in an instant. As we prayed for uh, um, that dear lady that passed this weekend, I'm sure they weren't planning in, you know, at that age to, to lose her. We don't know what's, what's guaranteed for today. We don't know what's guaranteed for tomorrow. We need to be about his business each in every day, amen? And uh, just uh, talking with Adam about her life and, and her ministry as a gym teacher, she had a, a real hunger. She loved Jesus and she loved those students and she would pray for those students. She had, she, that was kind of her ministry she saw as those students. And, and what a beautiful picture of someone you know, called by God into the school system and being used to bless and be a blessing in that school district. So we don't have time just to to gather and just to do some churchy things. We need to be a spirit-empowered church. Things around us are decaying and morality is crumbling around us. And the standards and the ethics are changing all around us. But the thing is, sometimes we think, well, that's a new thing. But you know what? It's, It's not really a new thing. These conditions are nothing new to the church. Throughout its history, the church has stared evil in the face and has 
faithfully proclaim the good news to any and to all who would hear. And so today, in these hours, in this moment, the Lord is calling us, His church, to raise up, to lift our hearts, to lift our voice, to allow the Spirit to fill us and to empower us to be His church. I want to read Ezekiel 37. It's, I didn't have it in my notes, but this morning I just felt like we needed to read this passage. And so, Carol, we don't have those slides, and that's fine. I appreciate Carol so much. I give her my, uh, my notes, and she, she does work so hard to get the scriptures up there. And so if they're not up there, then it's my fault. I didn't give her the scriptures, okay? So I do appreciate her. Ezekiel 37 says this, The Lord took hold of me. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Have you ever felt like that? Walking around or turning on the news or just hearing about the, the society around us. It's, this is just like a valley of bones, filled with bones. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? The Lord's asking Ezekiel, can something that's dead be raised to life again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me, suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. It's interesting, that picture, the, the bones are rattling, the skin's forming, and the muscles are on them, but they still lacked life. There was a form of life. There was a form of a body. It looked like a, a living being, but there was no breath. There was no life. Maybe you've gone through CPR training, and they teach you, what do you, what do you need to look for? If someone's unresponsive, you need to get down and listen for Anyone do CPR training? You got to listen for their breath. Are they breathing? Is there any breath, breath sounds? Is there life in the, is, do they need CPR? Do they need someone? Is there something in their airway there? And the Lord's giving a prophetic picture to Ezekiel in his day, and he's speaking to our day as well. There's times when we look around us and there's lifelessness, there's death and or maybe there's a form of life, but there's no substance therein. There is no breath. There is no power in there. There's a form of life. Maybe some grew up with a form of religion, you know, but there was no life. There was no power. God wants to raise up an army 
filled with his spirit, empowered by his Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 9, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. I was having a conversation with a dear couple this week, and I just share with them, you know, last year we focused on paying off that mortgage, and God bless the, that happened, and, but my heart, my, you know, I, what I believe for this year is that God's going to raise up a spiritual army. We don't have the, the, the mortgage or the thing kind of dragging us along. God, God wants to, to raise us. He wants to use us. He wants to, to raise us up to be his army. Amen? Amen? There's a hurting, lost world out there that needs to see, that needs to experience, that have an experience with Almighty God. Not just to hear a cute little sermon or not just to sing some songs, but they need to feel, they need to sense the power of God. They need to have a conversation, one that has, has had an encounter with the Lord. The disciples, they were just ordinary, average people. And when the Pharisees got so frustrated with them, because the Pharisees, they had gone through all the schooling, they had done all the things that you were supposed to do, and they says, here's these disciples turning the world upside down, and all they could trace it to is these were men that had been with Jesus. Been with Jesus, raising up an army. This is what God wants to do in us this year. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Have you ever thought that before? You know, well, this situation or my family or our society or our country, it's finished. Or maybe this church, it's maybe the, oh, the glory days are over and we'll never get back to there. Maybe we've thought that before. We've given up. We said, oh, the, the, the best days are behind us. The people of Israel were living in exile, and they thought that. They had been kicked out of the promised land. They're living in exile, and they said, you know what? It's, it's not going to get any. It's just going to go down here from, downhill from here. But God had a word for his people. Verse 12, therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Not what your emotions think or not what your circumstances show you. This is what the Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. The Lord wants to raise us up to be a spirit-empowered church again today in these last days. 
of spirit-empowered believers that have met with Jesus, that have communion with Jesus, that have an intimacy with Jesus, that have fellowship with Jesus, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about what His Spirit wants to do in us and through us. That's why we say His will, His way. It's, that's what it's all about. We want to just do what God wants us to do. So this morning we're going to start a new series in the book of Acts. It's a key book in the New Testament that tells the true story of the birth, the development, and the expansion of the church in the years following Christ's death and his resurrection. Here are some questions that I want us to hopefully answer as we study this book. How did the church begin and how did it reach the lost so effectively? What was it like to be a Christian in the early years of the church? What were some struggles the early church dealt with and how did they overcome them? Does Jesus still have a plan and purpose for his church today after more than 2,000 years? Maybe you've asked that question. Well, you know, that was great for the book of Acts. That was great for then, but will God do it? Does God want to do it again? Does God have a purpose for my life? Does God have a purpose for this church today? The last question is this, are there keys to the effectiveness of the early church that can still be applied to the church today? Are there keys as we read the book of Acts? Are there principles? Are there realities? Are there truths that are still true today? And I hope as we study this, we say, yes. Yes, God wants to do it today. God wants to, to breathe life. He wants to breathe new life into his church today. God wants to raise up a spirit-empowered church that will shake the nations for his name. Amen? So take your Bibles, pens, notebooks, whatever you do. Maybe it's your phones you look at and read. And we're going to do some study through the book of Acts. <clears throat> As I said, today it will kind of be a, more of an introduction. Maybe it will be in a little different style than we're, we're used to, but I really feel we need, to, we need God's people to get into his word. We need his word in our hearts and our lives. We need his word to show us where to go and what to do. We need his word guiding us and directing us. I know as a, as a pastor, sometimes it, it can be tempting to offer just my words. And, you know, there, there's a part of that with preaching, but I want to make sure that we, as followers of Jesus, are following his word. So anytime I'm preaching, we'll look at the word of God. Is it lining up? What, is, what, is, what, is, what, is, what I'm saying or anyone that's up here preaching, does it line up with God's word? I know growing up, my pastor would always say that and say, make sure what I say lines up with his word. Amen? The book of Acts. Let's take a look at some information about the book of Acts. Maybe some of this will be <clears throat> new to you. Maybe some of this will be, uh, you've heard this before. It's most widely believed that Luke, probably a Gentile and a physician or a doctor, wrote his gospel account, what we call Luke or Luke's gospel and Acts, the book of Acts, as a two-volume set. 
So in the ancient days, the book of Luke and Acts would have been connected. And what Luke started in Luke's gospel, he finished in the book of Acts. It's a two-volume work which covers the life, the ministry of Jesus, and the birth and the development and the expansion of his church. When we read both Luke and Acts together, we get a beautiful picture of what God was doing in the early days of his church. Luke was strategic in finding sources and eyewitnesses to put together the story of Jesus and his ministry and the development of his church. We call it the book of Acts. It was eventually referred to as the Acts of the Apostles in the second and third centuries. We say, well, why the word Acts? A-C-T-S. Well, in ancient times, that word spoke of a genre in the ancient world of books that describe the great deeds of people or of cities. In ancient Greek, there were other works that were called the acts of so-and-so, and they were a genre of literature. And so, therefore, the early leaders in the church began referring to this book as the Acts of the Apostles, the works of the Apostles, the great deeds of the Apostles. However, since the Holy Spirit is the main agent of power, transformation, and expansion in the church, many have referred to this book as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I love that title for this book. It's the, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. He uses... Men and he uses women, but it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the great deeds of God's working, God working through his spirit. Acts 1.8 is a key verse to understanding the book of Acts and what is happening here. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is kind of a summary statement of what God is going to do throughout the book of Acts. God's going to breathe his spirit on his people and his spirit are going to be released to preach the good news everywhere they go. In Jerusalem, in their local region, in Judea as it continues to expand out geographically, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is why Jesus told his disciples that it was good for him to go away. Before Jesus rose, ascended to his father, he said, it is good. It is good that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to take a look at John's gospel. And I want us to look at some of the Holy Spirit's backdrop to the book of Acts. What were the disciples, what did Jesus tell them? What were they expecting? What was Jesus telling them was going to take place? Let's look at John chapter 1, starting with verse 29. 
John 1, 29. You with me today? It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as a Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. We see here that Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizer, he is, it says that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize in water. I immerse people in water, but there's one coming that will immerse you, that will baptize you, that will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus is the baptizer. When we pray for the Holy Spirit, we say, Jesus, would you fill me? Would you baptize me with your Holy Spirit? John chapter 14. John 14, verse 1, don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And here's where I want to direct our attention. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's powerful. That's the truth of his word. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. I want to read that again. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone 
who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I think about that passage in Ezekiel we've started off with and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Speak to these bones. Believe that I can do it again. I can raise these bones to new life again. Jesus, we see in the Scripture, is one with the Father. It continues in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I labeled this Jesus, the Holy Spirit promiser. He's the baptizer. He's also the promiser. I promise you that the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And then he just gives a description of what does it look like. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So we put this together. Jesus is in the Father and his spirit will be sent. The Holy Spirit and the spirit will be in us. It's the spirit of Christ himself. The Holy Spirit. No, I will not abandon you. He says in verse 19, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. So just as Jesus and the Father are one, it's, there's this, this dynamic going on that we will be one with Christ and one with the Spirit and one with the Father. Verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me, and remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. And when I think about the Apostle Paul, and there was much immorality taking place in the church, and he says, don't you know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? That it's not just like I'm a Christian and slap a, slap a sticker on me. It's no, I'm a Christian and I become a temple of the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit dwells in us. 
He says, anyone who loves me will, not, will obey me. And then remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. It will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. He says this in verse 30, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world would know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Jesus, the Spirit baptizer. Jesus, one with the Father. Jesus, the Holy Spirit promiser. He promises that when he goes, he will send, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. We never have to feel alone in this world. We never have to feel like we're on our own. Nobody understands me. What's that country song? You know, everyone has left me, and, but the Lord has sent his Holy Spirit. We're not orphans, we're not alone, we're not on our own. The Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us, wants to use us for his glory, amen? He wants to raise us up to be a spirit-empowered church today. Skip over to John chapter 15, starting with verse 18. Maybe this becomes even more specific to what we face sometimes or maybe what we will face very soon. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. That's a truth we need to be reminded of every single day. Because I'm sure we're all tempted. We turn on the news, we have conversations, and we feel like, oh, maybe I should be more like that. Maybe I should believe more like this. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. 
They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But, verse 26, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizer. Jesus, one with the Father. Jesus, the Holy Spirit promiser. Jesus, the Holy Spirit sender. He says, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. Maybe if you're confused today, you're wondering what's right or what's wrong or what's up or what's down, maybe... Let's press into the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, would you guide my life? Maybe my teacher is saying one thing or some politician is saying another thing or my mom and dad are saying this. Holy Spirit, spirit of truth, would you speak life and truth to me today? We were youth pastors for a number of years and we had many students that came to church and their parents didn't come to church. And many of these students were on their own. You know, they, we would have them for an hour a week, hour and a half, and we always knew we were sending them back to the, the den of wolves when they went back home because some of their parents were like anti, you know, against anti-church or Christ or whatever. And, and they would try to pick apart things and it was always trusting. Would you, Holy Spirit, would you guide them? Holy Spirit, would you lead them? Students, you go to school, and sometimes you'll have teachers that, you know, they're teaching you the right thing, and sometimes you'll have people that are teaching you some weird things, and you have to know the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. John 16, verse 1, I have told you these things, Jesus says, so that you won't abandon your faith. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. It breaks my heart. There's story after story and article after article and YouTube personality after YouTube channel that people are coming out and saying, I don't believe in Christianity anymore. I'm deconstructing my faith. This didn't work out for me. Oh, the church has hurt me so bad. This and I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. There will be people that treat 
you like dirt because you love Jesus. There will be people that call you crazy because you believe in his word. Because you won't go along with the culture and says, oh, you can just choose this or that. He says, I've told you these. I've told you that this is what's going to happen. So that when it does happen, you're not like, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. Wow, that just caught me totally off guard. I told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Some have lost their jobs recently because of medical decisions. But one day, people lose their jobs because of spiritual decisions. Because your beliefs, your convictions don't line up with a corporate standard. Well, that's not what our brand stands for. That's not what our company stands for. And one day, some, maybe all, will have to make a decision. Who will we stand for? Do we want to be popular and accepted? Or will we bear that cross like Jesus? Jesus says, for you, will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. It's the promised work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ. 
will come, will fill, will guide, will preserve. God is raising up again a spirit-empowered church. Luke 24. Luke 24. This is how Luke's account of the gospel ends and it begins to pick up in the book of Acts here. I want to read, starting with verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Isn't that fascinating? He just died on the cross. They're walking. They're talking about all that's taking place. He's actually walking with them, and they have no idea that's Jesus. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who had told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things? Before entering his glory, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. In the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? 
And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him and he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, and when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. What we'll find in the book of Acts is Luke giving us an account of the empowerment and the rapid expansion of the church from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and beyond from Jewish people to Gentiles to the Roman Empire. The book of Acts Luke takes us on a 30-year journey. We read the book of Acts and we think it happened in just a few weeks. 30 years, it's estimated, that the book of Acts spans, giving us the highlights, giving us the, maybe the Facebook posts that the apostles will put, the Instagram stories. Today, 5,000 people got saved. Today, Peter's in prison. But it's over 30 years. We'll see Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. We'll see Syria, Cyprus, many cities in Asia Minor, Macedonia, Greece, and finally Rome. We'll witness things from preaching and miracles to jailbreaks and shipwrecks. 
Each of the major sections in the book of Acts are denoted by key summary statements to draw our attention to the miraculous growth and expansion of the church. I want to read those today because it's powerful. As you read the book of Acts, you see the ups and downs. There's imprisonment. There's beatings. There's this. There's that. And throughout it all, the church continues to thrive and grow and expand. Acts 6-7, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Acts 9-31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. It also grew in numbers. Acts 12, 24, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. Acts 16, 5, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. And finally, Acts chapter 19, verse 20, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. In the midst of troubles, in the midst of persecutions and beatings and martyrdoms and imprisonments and the church continued to spread the good news. The church continued to grow. The church continued to flourish because the gates of hell cannot stand against his church. Within a relatively short period of time, about 30 years, Christianity had been transformed from an almost exclusively Jewish sect to a predominantly Gentile, empire-wide religion. It impacted an empire. It shook the nations. And Jesus wants to do it again. The book of Acts shows us and tells us how God worked through the early church to change the, the world. This unstoppable message is just the beginning. It's interesting that the book of Acts doesn't have a nice, neat ending to it. All the gospel accounts have a nice ending to it and come to a nice conclusion, but not the book of Acts. It just ends abruptly. And we think, Luke, can you put the end, or that was good, or that's it? I think Luke was being very intentional. That's not the end, it's just the next chapter. So what chapter are we in today? It's been more than 2,000 years, so... Uh, I wouldn't be as bold to say we're at Acts chapter 29, but maybe we're Acts chapter 1029. God's been writing his story, and the church has been growing, and the church has been faithful, and the church has been preaching his good news for centuries, for millennia. What Jesus began to do during his ministry on earth, he now continues to do as his spirit empowers the church to take the gospel to the world. God is calling, God is leading us today to be a spirit-empowered church, a church that God will use in mighty ways 
to shake the nations for Jesus until he comes. I want to say that again. God is calling us. God is leading us today to be a spirit-empowered church, a church that God will use in mighty ways to shake the nations for Jesus until he comes. Your homework this week, we're going to read, we're going to dive into the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. Memorize what God speaks to you. Write down the prayers and the questions you have. Let's believe that just as God did it then, God wants to do it today. God is raising up a mighty, spirit-empowered church today. Will you be a part? Will you be a part of a spirit-empowered church? Will you say, Jesus, would you fill me? Would you empower me by your Holy Spirit to be who you've called me to be, to do what you've called me to do? If you would agree with that, would you stand with us? Let's respond to him today. Let's go after him today. Let's seek him with all of our hearts today. Jesus, we need you today. Jesus, would you fill us today? Would you baptize us in your Holy Spirit? Jesus, would you draw us closer and closer to you? What is the Lord's calling you to do today? Maybe there's some apathy that's snuck in. The Lord wants to draw you closer to Him. The Lord wants to draw me closer to Him. Jesus, would you fill us? Would you baptize us? Would you empower us to be your people? Jesus, do it again today. Do it again today, Lord Jesus. Do it again today, Lord Jesus. Let's lift your hands to the Lord. Say, Jesus, would you fill me today? Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Jesus, would you empower me with your presence today? Jesus, would you change me from the inside out? The spirit of truth, would you guide me? Maybe there's a decision you've been struggling with, a situation you've been wrestling with. Would you say, spirit of truth, would you guide me into all truth today? Would you lead me? Would you give me wisdom today? Maybe you felt powerless. Maybe you feel like just, just serving the Lord has become maybe just more of a religious thing. It's become more of a ritual today. Would you say, Jesus, would you 
Would you breathe new life to me today? Would you breathe new life into me today, Lord Jesus? Lord, would you raise up an army? Raise up a spiritual army today. Lord, would you breathe life? Breathe life into us. Spirit of God, breathe life into us. Fill us, change us, use us for your glory, for your honor, for your purpose today, Jesus.
press in today, press into his presence today. Spirit of truth, I will send. John says, here comes the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, immerse us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. Glory of your good. 
I sense the Lord wants to give clear direction to people today. Specifically to students. Students, no matter what grade you're in, you're, you're wondering, God, what, what do you have for me? What, what do you want me to do with my life? What, what's after, what do I do after school? Or what do I do even in school? The Lord wants to give clear direction to students today. Maybe you're an adult today and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is this, what, is this my job or whatever? What is that, that call, that specific? If that's you, just lift your hands to the Lord. Let's believe Jesus to give clarity, direction, that Jesus would call and guide us. Jesus, would you do that right now? Lord, would you give specific direction to students, to adults? Lord, that they won't have to wonder anymore. They won't have to take any special placement exam to figure it out, Lord, that you will download it right now, Lord yes. Jesus. Holy Spirit, download that in their spirit, Lord, where, what you're calling them, where you're calling them, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you'll make it specific. You'll, you'll give them that passion, Lord. It'll be something unshakable, Jesus. Spirit of God, make it so crystal clear to them. It'll be like a beacon, like a light, Jesus, that you will, you will lead them, you will guide them, help them to know that you'll provide for them. They don't need to worry about all the details, Lord, you will provide, you will supply. Lord Jesus, you will direct their steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered by you, Lord Jesus. Guide, direct them. Maybe they, they won't see the whole picture, but they'll see the next step, Lord Jesus. Direct their steps. Direct their steps, Lord Jesus. For adults, Lord, direct their steps. Help them to see what you're calling and leading them. Where you want them to step out in faith. Holy Spirit, would you speak to their hearts and lives? Maybe some today this is new to you. It's talking about the Holy Spirit or praying the Holy Spirit to fill you. Or maybe it's just something completely new to you. Jesus, would you make it so real to them? Lord, would you make your Holy Spirit so real, so personal to them? It's not some force. It's not some, some just presence not connected to anything. It's the Spirit of God, the presence of God. our advocate, our truth. 
Jesus, make your presence so real. Make your spirit so real to your people today. It's not about the goosebumps. It's not about falling around. That could happen. But it's about your presence. It's about guiding us. It's about using us. It's about launching us. It's about helping us to do what we can't do on our own. It's about us living for you. We can't live for you, Jesus. I don't know. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your help. So Jesus, move us beyond the goosebump. Move us beyond the emotion and move us into the reality and the power of your presence. Draw us to the reality, the truth of your presence of your spirit. A spirit-empowered church is an obedient church. Is a faithful church. Is a courageous church. Is a committed church. Is a prayerful church. Is an intercessor church is a worshiping church is a generous church is a peacemaking church is a gospel spreading church Amen. is an edifying church is an encouraging church Jesus raises us up Fill us, empower us to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom. Jesus' name. Closes with a song this morning.
lead us, guide us, release us to be your church, not just a Sunday morning church, a 24-7, every day, every moment church, wherever we are, we will be following you obedient to you, sharing you with others. Bless your people, Lord. Surround them with your protection, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we would be faithful until the end. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and share it with those you know. Our prayer is that you will find true and lasting life in a relationship with Jesus and that you will live to do his will, his way for his glory.